part seven of the light invisible by robert hugh benson this librivox recording is in the public domain part seven the sorrows of the world carumbra orando andavan sotto il pondo simile a quel che te volta se sogna disparmente angosiate tutta tondo e lasse super la prima cornice pagando le calisini del mondo il purgatorio as the days went on i became more reassured about my friend parker told me there was an improvement since i had come and the shadow in his eyes seemed a little lightened on christmas eve the rector called and they were shut up together in the chapel for an hour after tea and the old man i suppose made his confession he seemed brighter than ever that evening and told me story after story after dinner old tales of when he was a child on christmas morning he celebrated the holy mysteries as usual in the chapel and i received the communion at his hands we went to church in the brougham and that was the last time the old priest was seen in public there was intense curiosity about him in the village as well as the greatest reverence and love for him and i noticed a ripple of interest along the benches as we passed up to the hall pew on the evening of christmas day he had provided a christmas tree in the servants hall but we only looked in for a moment when the shouting was at its loudest and he nodded at a child or two who caught sight of him and i saw his whole face kindle with joy and tenderness and then he went back to the fire in the sitting-room the morning of st john's day broke dark and heavy we had to have candles at breakfast and the old man seemed curiously changed and depressed again he hardly spoke at all and looked at me almost resentfully like an overwrought child when i failed to blow out the spirit lamp at the first attempt all day long the gloom outside seemed to gather the sun went down in a pale sky barred with indigo and the wind began to rise the old man after a word or two went to his room soon after dinner and i understood from parker who presently came in that the master was exceedingly sorry for his discourtesy but that he did not feel equal to conversation and intended to go to bed early and that he would be obliged if i could manage to amuse myself alone that evening but i too went upstairs early feeling a little uneasy at the top landing of the north end of the house there are three doors the central one is the chapel door that on the right approached by two little steep steps of its own was the priest's room that on the left opposite was my own room as i went in i noticed that a light shone from under the chapel door and that his own door was wide open showing the flickering light of the fire within as i paused i saw parker pass across the doorway and call to him in a low voice yes sir he's fairly well i think he answered to my inquiry he is in the chapel just now and is coming to bed directly he told me just now sir too to ask whether you would serve him to-morrow morning oh, certainly i said but are you sure he ought to get up he has not been well all day well sir said parker i will do my best to persuade him to stay in bed and will let you know if i succeed but i doubt whether the master will be persuaded as i crossed outside the chapel door to go to my own room i heard a murmur from within with a word or two which i cannot write down 
before i was in bed i heard the chapel door open and footsteps go up the little steps opposite and the door close presently it opened again and then a tap at my door it's only me sir said parker's voice may i speak to you a moment and then he came in with a candle in his hand i'm not easy about him sir he said but he won't let me sleep in his room as i asked i've come to ask you whether you will let me lie down on your sofa i don't like to leave him my own room is at the other end of the house excuse me sir if i've asked what i shouldn't but i don't like to sleep on the landing for fear he should look out and see me and be displeased of course i assented almost eagerly for i felt a strange discomfort and loneliness myself parker went noiselessly downstairs and got a rug or two and a pillow and then with many apologies lay down on the sofa near the window my bed stood at the other end of the long narrow room under the sloping side of the roof i blew the candles out presently and the room was in darkness i could not sleep at first i was anxious for my friend and i lay and listened for the slightest sound from the landing but parker's face as i had seen it as he had stood with the candle in his hand reassured me that he too should be on the watch the wind had half died down again only there came gusts from time to time that shook the leaded windows gradually i began to doze then i suppose i dropped off to sleep and i dreamed in my dream i knew that i was still in my room lying on my bed but the room seemed illuminated with a light whose source i could not imagine the curtains i thought were no longer drawn over the windows but looped back and the light from my room fell distinctly upon the panes i thought i was sitting up in bed watching for something at the window something which would terrify me when it came and then as i watched there came a gust of wind and lashed to judge by the sound a big spray of ivy across the outside then again it came and again but the sound grew more distinct i could see nothing at the window but there came that ceaseless patter and tap like a thousand fingers then a dead leaf or two was whirled up stuck for a moment on the glass and whirled away again it seemed to me that the ivy spray and the leaves were clamoring to be admitted into shelter from that wild wind outside i grew terrified at their insistence and tried in my dream to call to parker whom i fancied to be still in the room and in the struggle awoke and the room was dark no as i looked about me it was not quite dark there lay across the floor an oblong patch of light from the door I gradually realized that the door was open. There came a draft round the corner at the foot of my bed. I sat up and called gently to Parker, but there was no answer. I got out of bed noiselessly and went across the floor to where I saw the dim outlines of the sofa. As I drew near, I stumbled over a rug and then felt the pillow, also on the floor. I put my hands almost instinctively down and felt that the sofa was still warm but parker was gone then i looked out of the door the landing was lit by an oil lamp and its light fell upon the priest's door it was almost closed but i could hear a faint murmur of voices i put on my dressing gown and slippers and went out almost simultaneously the door opposite opened a little wider and parker's face looked out white and scared when he saw me he came swiftly out and down the stairs beckoning to me 
but as we met a loud high voice came from the priest's room parker parker tell him to come in at once at once don't leave me go in sir go in parker said in a loud whisper to me pushing me towards the door i went quickly up the two steep steps and entered parker close behind me and i heard him close the door softly there was a tall screen on my left and behind it was the bed with the head at the corner of the room a fire was burning near the bed i came round the screen quickly and saw the priest sitting up in bed he wore a tippet over his shoulders and a small skull-cap on his head his eyes were large and bright and looked at me almost unintelligently his hands were hidden by the bedclothes there was a little round table by the head of the bed on which stood two burning candles in silver candlesticks i drew up a chair by the table and sat down my old friend i said what is it cannot you sleep he made no answer to me directly but stared past me round the room and then fixed his eyes at the foot of the bed the sorrows of the world he said and the sorrows under the earth they come to me now because i have not understood them nor wept for them and then he drew out his old thin knotted hands and clasped them outside the rug that lay on the outside of the bed i laid my own hand upon them you have had a greater gift than that i said you have known instead the joys of the world he paid no attention to me but stared mournfully before him but he did not withdraw his hands there came a sudden gust of wind outside and even in that corner away from the window the candle flames leant over to one side and then the chimney behind me sighed suddenly the priest unclasped his hands and my own hand fell suddenly on the coverlet he stretched out his left hand to the window as it still shook and pointed at it in silence glaring over my head as he did so almost instinctively i turned to the long low window and looked but the curtains were drawn over it they were just stirring and heaving in the draught but there was nothing to be seen i could hear the pines tossing and sighing like a troubled sea outside then he broke out into a long wild talk now in a whisper and now breaking into something like a scream parker came quickly round from the doorway where he had been waiting out of sight and stood behind me anxious and scared sometimes i could not hear what the priest said he muttered to himself much of it i could not understand and some of it i cannot bring myself to write down so sacred was it so revealing of his soul's inner life hidden with christ in god the sorrows of the world he cried again they are crying at my window at the window of a hard old man and a traitorous priest betrayed them with a kiss ah the holy innocents who have suffered innocence of man and bird and beast and flower and i went my way or sat at home in the sunshine and now they come crying to me to pray for them how little i have prayed then he broke into a torrent of tender prayer for all suffering things it seemed to me as he prayed as if the wind and the pines were silent then he began again their pale faces look through the glass no curtains can shut them out their thin fingers tap and entreat and i have closed my heart at that door and cannot open it to let them in there is the face of a dog who has suffered his teeth are white but his eyes are glazed and his tongue hangs out 
there is a rose with drenched petals a rose whom i forgot see how the wind has battered it ah, the sorrows of the world there come the souls from under the earth crying for one to release them and let them go souls that all men have forgotten and i the chief of sinners i have lived too much in the sweetness of god and forgotten his sorrows then he turned to a crucifix of ebony and silver that hung on the wall at his side and looked on it silently and then again he broke into compassionate prayer to the saviour of the world entreating him by his agony and bloody sweat by his cross and passion to remember all suffering things that prayer that i heard gave me a glimpse into mysteries of which i had not dreamed mysteries of the unity of christ and his members a unity of pain these great facts which i thank god i know more of now stood out in fiery lines against the dark sorrow that seemed to have filled the room from this old man's heart then suddenly he turned to me and his eyes so searched my own that i looked down while his words lashed me you my son he said what have you done to help our lord and his children have you watched or slept couldst thou not watch with me one hour what share have you borne in the incarnation have you believed for those who could not believe hoped for the despairing loved and adored for the cold and if you could not understand nor do this have you at least welcomed pain that would have made you one with them have you even pitied them or have you hidden your face for fear you should grieve too much but what am i that i should find fault and then he broke off again into self-reproach at this point parker bent over me and whispered he will die sir i think unless you can get him to be quiet the old man overheard and turned almost fiercely quiet he cried when the world is so unquiet can i rest do you think with those at my window then with a loud cry ah they're in the room they look at me from the air i cannot bear it and he covered his face with his old thin hands and shrank back against the wall i got up from my seat and looked round as i did so it seemed to my fancy as if there were some strange presence filling the room it seemed as i turned as if crowding faces swiftly withdrew themselves over and behind the screen a picture on the wall overhead lifted and dropped again like a door as if to let something escape the coverlet which was a little disarranged by the old man's movement rippled gently as if someone who had been seated on the bed had risen i heard parker too behind me draw his breath quickly through his teeth all this i noticed in a moment the next i had bent over the bed towards the priest and put my hand on his shoulder either he or i was trembling i felt as i touched him my dear old friend i said cannot you lie down quietly a little you cannot think how you are distressing us both then i added a word or two presumptuously i felt in the presence of this old man who knew so much about the love of god and the compassion of our saviour presently he withdrew his hands and looked at me yes yes he said but you do not understand i am a priest i sat down again i tried hard to control a great trembling that had seized me still he watched me and then he said more quietly is it nearly morning it is not yet twelve o'clock sir said parker's voice steadily behind me 
then i must watch and pray a little longer said the old man joy cometh in the morning then quite quietly he turned and lifted the crucifix from its nail kissed it and replaced it then he put his hands over his face again and remained still the wind outside seemed quieter but whenever it sighed in the chimney or at the window the priest winced a little as if a sudden pain had touched him he was supported by pillows behind his back and head against which he leaned easily after a few minutes of silence his hands dropped and clasped themselves on his lap his eyes were closed and he seemed breathing steadily i hoped that he would fall asleep so but as i turned to whisper to parker i suppose i must have made a slight noise for when i looked at the servant he paid no attention to me but was looking at his master i turned back again and saw the old man's eyes gazing straight at me yes he said go and sleep why are you here parker why did you allow him to come i woke up and came myself i said parker did not disturb me well go back to bed now you will serve me in the morning i tried to say something about his not being fit to get up but he waved it aside you cannot understand he said quietly that is my one hope and escape joy cometh in the morning there are many souls here and elsewhere that are waiting for that joy and i must not disappoint them and i too he added softly i too look for that joy go now and we will meet in the morning and he smiled at me so gently that i got up and went feeling comforted after i had been in bed a little while i heard the priest's door open and close again and then parker tapped at my open door and came in i have left him quiet sir i do not think he will sleep but he would not let me stay have you ever seen him like this before i asked never quite like this sir he said and as i looked at the old servant i saw that his eyes were bright with tears and his lips twitching well i said we have both heard strange things to-night your master whom you love is in the hands of god the old servant's face broke into lines of sorrow and then the tears ran down his face excuse me sir he said i am not quite myself shall i put the candle out sir and then he lay down on the sofa one word more parker you will wake me if you hear anything more and anyhow you will call me at seven if i should be asleep certainly sir answered parker's voice from the darkness i slept and woke often that night each time i woke i went quietly to the door and looked across the landing and listened each time i was not so quiet but that parker heard me and was by me as i looked and each time there was a line of light under the priest's door and once or twice a murmur of one voice at least from the room towards morning i fell into a sound sleep and awoke to find parker arranging my clothes and setting ready my bath the rugs and a pillow were gone from the sofa and there was no sign on the servant's face that anything unusual had happened during the night how is he i asked quickly have you seen him yes sir said parker he is dressing now and will be ready at half-past seven it is a little before seven now sir but how is he i asked again i scarcely know sir answered parker he does not seem ill but he's very silent again this morning sir then after a pause is there anything i can do for you sir there is nothing more thank you i said and he left the room i got up presently and dressed the morning was still dark and i dressed by candlelight 
when i drew the curtains back the sky had just begun to glimmer in the reflected dawn from the other side of the house but it was too dark to see to read except by artificial light i went out on to the landing paused a moment and heard a footstep in the priest's room then i opened the door of the oratory and went in in the morning at the end of woe suddenly our eyes shall be opened and in clearness of light our sight shall be full which light is god our maker and holy ghost in christ jesus our saviour mother julian the oratory is a little room whitewashed crossed by oaken beams on the walls the window is opposite the door and the altar stands to the left there is a bench or two on the right when i entered on this morning the tapers were lighted the vestments laid out upon the altar and all prepared i went across and knelt by the window presently i heard the priest's door open and in a moment more he came in followed by parker who closed the door behind him and came and knelt at the bench i looked eagerly at the old man's face it was white and tired-looking and the eyebrows seemed to droop more than ever but it was a quiet face it was only for an instant that i saw it for he turned to the altar and began to vest and then when he was ready he began it was strange to hear that voice which had rung with such intensity of pain so few hours before now subdued and controlled and to watch the orderly movements of those hands that had twisted and gesticulated with such terrible appeal i felt that parker too was watching with a close and awful interest what we both half feared would be a shocking climax to the scenes of the night before but which we half hoped too would recall and quiet that troubled spirit dawn was now beginning to shine on the western sky there was a tall holly tree that rose nearly to the level of the window as i looked out for a moment my eye was caught by the outline of a bird faintly seen sitting among the upper branches now i will only mention one incident that took place i was in such a strange and disordered state of mind that i scarcely now can remember certainly anything but this as the priest's communion drew near there came a sudden soft blow against the window-panes when the priest began to unvest i left the chapel and went downstairs to await him in the breakfast-room but as he did not come i went outside the house for a few minutes and presently found myself below the chapel window it seemed to me that i was in a dream the very earth i trod on seemed unreal i was unable to think connectedly the scene in the chapel seemed to stand out vividly it seemed to me as if in some sense it were a climax but of what nature whether triumphant or full of doom i could not tell as i stood there perplexed downcast in the growing glimmer of the day my eyes fell upon a small rumpled heap at my feet and looking closer i saw it was the body of a thrush it was still limp and warm and as i lifted it i remembered the sudden blow against the window-panes but as i still stood utterly distracted the chapel window was thrown open and parker's face looked out as i gazed up he beckoned to me furiously and withdrew leaving the window swinging i laid the thrush under a bush at the corner of the house as i ran round and came in quickly and up the stairs parker met me at the landing 
he just reeled and fell sir he said up the stairs into his room i've laid him on the bed and must get down to the stables to send for the doctor will you stay with him sir till i come back and without waiting for an answer he was gone that evening i was still sitting by my friend's side i had food brought up to my room during the day but except for those short intervals was with him continually the doctor had come and gone all that he could tell us was that the old man had had a seizure of some kind and he looked grave when i told him of the events of the night before his age is against him too the doctor had said i cannot say what will happen and then he had given directions and had left promising to return again at any rate the next morning i had been trying to read with a shaded lamp looking from time to time at the figure of the old man on the bed as he lay white and quiet with his eyes closed as he had lain all day at about six o'clock i had just glanced at my watch when a slight movement made me turn to the bed again and i could see in the dim light that his eyes were open and fixed upon me but all the pain was gone out of them and they were a child's eyes again i rose and went to his side and sat down in the same chair that i had occupied the night before immediately i had sat down he put out his hand and i took it and held it his eyes smiled at me and then he spoke very slowly with long pauses well he said you have been with me and have seen and heard last night and this morning but it is all ended and the valley is lightening again at its eastern end where the sun rises so it was not all dreams and fancies those old stories that you bore with so patiently to please me now tell me what you heard and saw did you see them all in the room last night and and his eyes grew wide and insistent what did you see this morning now the doctor had told me that he must not be overexcited but soothed and honestly enough though some who may read this may not agree with me i thought it was better to speak plainly of those things so strange to you and me but so dear and familiar to him and so i told him all i had heard and seen ah he said when i had finished then we were not quite as one but still you saw and heard more than most men now will you hear one more story i will not tell you all i saw last night because the lord has been gracious to me and is rising with healing in his wings on me and on many other poor creatures but the wounds are aching still and if you will spare me i will not speak much of the shadows of last night but only of the joys that came in the morning will you hear it my dear old friend i said are you sure it will not be too much for you he shook his head and then still holding my hand in his his fingers tightening and relaxing as he told his tale with many pauses and efforts he began last night the sorrows of death came to me he said and all the blood and agony and desolation of the whole world seemed to be round me and i have had so little sorrow in my life that i was ill-prepared to meet them our lord has always shown me such grace and given me so much joy but he warned me again and again this autumn that was why i spoke to you as i did when you came before christmas 
well last night all this came to me and it seemed as if i were partly responsible years ago i was set apart as a priest to stand between the dead and the living it was meant that i should be the meeting place as every priest must be of creation's need and god's grace as every christian must be in his station that is what intercession and the holy sacrifice both signify and effect the two tides of need and fulfilment must meet in a priest's heart but all my life i have known much of fulfilment and little of need last night the first was almost withdrawn and the second deepened almost beyond bearing but i knew as i told you last night that with the morning would come peace that i should be able to carry up the burden laid on me and make it one with him on whom the iniquities of us all are laid but i need not say more of that now this morning when i went to the altar a lull had come in the storm but it was all in my heart still i felt sure that i should have the clear vision once more and as i lifted up the body of our lord it came as i lifted it up it disappeared as those tell us who look in crystals and this is what i saw i do not know how long i saw it it seemed as if time stood still but you told me there was no perceptible pause well and the old man raised himself slightly in the bed between my hands i saw a long slope running as it seemed from me downhill on the nearer higher end of the slope were men going to and fro and i knew they needed something and yet many of them did not seem to know it themselves but they were all in need one there was who walked quickly clenching and unclenching his hands and i knew he fought with sin and there was a woman with a dead child across her knees and there was a blind child crying in a corner then further down the slope were wounded creatures of all kinds and lonely beasts seeking a place to die and the very grass of the field seemed to be in sorrow and there were blind sea creatures gasping they were not small as you might think but i saw them as if i looked through a hole in a wall and they stretched down rank on rank heaving and striving man and beast warring and trampling down the flowers there was a thrush i saw too shivering in a tree and the thought of the story i have told you came to my mind and there were a thousand things that i forget now when i saw all this my hands trembled but what i saw did not tremble so i knew that it was real and then very far away and faint at the foot of the slope was a level silvery mist like a sea fog with delicate currents and lines now swift and piercing now slow and in the mist moved faces but i could not distinguish the features and these were the souls that waited until their sins should be done away and then with something like terror i remembered that i held in my hands the body of the lord and i was puzzled and distracted but i knelt to a door and as i lowered the holy thing the clouds closed and the light died out and it may be that i was cowardly and i think god will pardon an old man for whom the light was too strong but when i consecrated the chalice i dared not look at it at the communion too i closed my eyes again the old man paused a moment and then continued 
I heard no sound such as you describe. As I unvested and went to my room, I was still perplexed at what I had seen, and could not understand it. And then, on a sudden, I understood it, and it was then, I suppose, that I fell down. There was a silence for a moment, and then I answered, I cannot understand even now. The priest smiled at me, his hand closed again on mine. I think there is no need for me to tell you that. It will be plain to you soon. Remember what it was that I saw, and where I saw it, and all will be easy. You can leave me now for a little, he went on. I am perfectly free from pain, and I wish to think. Would you send Parker to me in about an hour's time? And then, as I went towards the door, he added, One word more. I had forgotten something. I have yet one more clear vision to see before I die. I have seen, you remember, what you too have seen, how all things need God. But there is yet one more thing to see which will make all plain, and I think you can guess what that is, and I pray that you will be with me when I see it. Then I turned and went quietly out. The Expected Guest Jesu, Jesu, Estomichi, Jesu, Old Prayer As day after day went by and the old man seemed no worse, I began to have hopes that he might recover, but the doctor discouraged me. At the best, he said, he may just linger on, but I do not think the end is far off. You must remember he is an old man. And so at last the end came. During these days, since Parker was of course too much occupied with his master, a boy waited on me. On the last evening, as the boy came in for the second time at dinner, he looked white and frightened. What is it? I asked. We don't like it, sir, in the servants' hall. Two children ran in just now and said they had seen something, and we were all upset, sir. The maids are crying. What is it the children thought they saw? I asked. The boy hesitated. Tell me, I repeated. The boy put down the dish he held and came closer to me. They say they saw the master himself, sir, on the front lawn at the gate. Where were the children? I asked passing round from the house, sir, in front, under the chestnut. They had been sent by the rector to inquire. I got up from the table. Where are they? I asked. In the servants' hall, sir. Bring them into the sitting-room. And I followed him out and waited. Presently the swing-door opened and the children looked in. Behind them were the pale faces of the servants, whispering and staring. Come in, I said to the children, and sit down. Don't be afraid. They came timidly in, evidently very much frightened. The door closed behind them. This was their story. They had been to the house to inquire how the old man was, and were returning to the rectory. But they had hardly started, in fact had only just reached the chestnut tree in front of the house, when both of them, who were looking towards the lighted window, had seen quite plainly the figure of the old priest standing just inside the gate. He was bareheaded, they said, dressed in black, but they could only see his head and shoulders over the bank, as the road is a little lower than the grass which borders on it and runs up to the gate. He seemed, they said, to be looking out for someone. When I asked them how they could possibly see anyone at that distance on such a dark night, they had no sort of explanation. They could only repeat that they did see him quite plainly. 
at last i took them out myself and made them point out to me the place where they had seen it but as i expected all was dark and we could not even make out the white balls on the pedestals i took them on to the end of the drive as they still seemed upset and they told me there that they would not be frightened to go the rest of the way alone fortunately however as we waited a man passed in the direction of the village and he consented to see them as far as the rectory gate when i entered the house again the maids with the boy were standing in the hall they looked eagerly towards the door as i opened it and one of them cried out what is it now i asked one of the elder servants answered oh sir the master's worse parker's afraid he's going he's just run downstairs for you sir and now he's gone back i did not wait to hear any more but pushed past them through the sitting-room and ran upstairs the door of the old man's room was open and i heard faint sounds from within i went straight in without knocking and turned the corner of the screen parker who was kneeling by the bed supporting his master in his arms turned his head as i came in sight and made a gesture with it i came close up he's going fast sir i'm afraid he whispered the old man was sitting up in bed looking quite straight before him his lips were slightly parted and his eyes were full of expectancy he kept lifting his hands gently half opening them with a welcoming movement and then letting them fall now he leaned gently forward as if to meet something with his hands extended then sinking a little back upon parker's arm he paid no attention to me and it seemed as if his eyes were focused to an almost infinite distance i too knelt down by the bed and waited watching him then there came soft footsteps at the door but it was not for that he waited then a whispering and a sobbing and i knew that the servants were gathering outside still he waited for that which he knew would come before he died and the expectancy deepened in his eyes to an almost terrible intensity and it was the expectancy that feared no disappointment it was perfectly still outside the servants were quiet now and the old man's breathing was inaudible once i heard the far-off bark of a dog away somewhere in the village as i watched his face i saw how wrinkles covered it the corners of his eyes and his forehead were deeply furrowed and the lines deepened and shifted as his face worked and then suddenly he cried out he's coming my son he's coming far away and then silence i heard a sudden movement outside and then stillness again then a maid broke out into sobbing and i heard footsteps and then the door of my room across the landing open and shut and the sobbing ceased but the old man paid no heed then suddenly he cried out again behold he stands at the door and knocks he made an indescribable gesture with his hands then i was startled for there came a loud pealing at the bell downstairs parker whispered to me sent one of the servants downstairs and i went to the door for an instant and told the boy to go then i came back the boy's footsteps died away toward the staircase i knelt down again by the bed then once more the old man cried out he's coming my son he's here and then look as he said this across his face there came an extraordinary smile 
for one moment as i started up and looked his face was that of a child the wrinkles seemed suddenly erased and a great rosy flush swept from forehead to mouth and his eyes shone like stars i noticed too even at this moment for i was almost facing him as i sprang up that the focus of his eyes was contracted to a point at the foot of his bed where the screen stood then he fell back and parker laid him gently down a moment after footsteps came up the stairs and the boy whispered from the doorway that the rector had come end of part seven end of the light invisible by robert hugh benson